0: Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir?
2: I'm um, Not too bad, thank you. Counting down the days now until we can get started.
0: Yes, we are going to talk about the World Cup today because the World Cup is quickly approaching. Um, it still doesn't feel right, Carl, that we're having uh, a World Cup that will kick off games um, On the 20th, which is 11 days from now, Uh, we're in the middle of Premier League season.
2: (laughs) That's because it's not. It's not right. We shouldn't be doing this. It's an absolutely weird sort of scenario for us to be in. And unfortunately, today's podcast topic is one of the reasons why.
0: Yeah. So today we are going to talk about injuries. To players who are now going to miss the World Cup or looking likely to miss the World Cup, and they are quite widespread. So, you've got a, a working list there, Carl. Let's go with that and see where we land.
2: Right, we'll run very quickly through the ones who are already definitely out uh, that we don't need to discuss because we already knew about, but worth highlights and how many there are anyway. Uh, for France, Paul Pogba and Angola Kante. That is the backbone of the team that won it four years ago, obviously. Uh, Portugal are going to be missing both Diogo Jota and Pedro Neto. Neither of them are going to make it. Gino Wijnaldum is out for Netherlands. Argentina missing Paulo Dybala. Quite a big one there. Just uh, goes to show what happens when you take a penalty, apparently. Uh, France also missing number two goalkeeper Mike Magnan. Poland are missing Jakub Moda, who's a, a big miss for them. Brazil have named their squad and... Guillermo Arana is the only one, really, who is the the injury absentee, but I think he would have made it as a left-back option instead of one of the two Alex's. Uh, Mexico are missing Jesus Corona. Germany are now without Timo Werner. USA are missing Miles Robinson. And now, over the last few days, the three new ones, which you can feel free to discuss if you want. Ben Chilwell, obviously, for England. Uh, Canada's second-choice goalkeeper, Maxime Crepo and Huddersfield and Japan defender Yuta Nakayama.
0: Yeah, Chilwell is a, is a very unfortunate one for England because while they do have a lot of right-back options, they don't have many left-back options, and certainly no good left-back options now with, with Chilwell out because Luke Shaw has been fairly poor this season. And wasn't first choice for much of the season at Manchester United. Um, James Justin could be an option, but he's also an injury doubt. The next in line is probably Kieran Trippier, who's going to be in the squad as a right back, but may have to be first choice right back, considering the injuries to uh, Rhys James and Kyle Walker, who may not make it given their current status. I I think Rhys James may actually have been ruled out officially today. Um, So unless Kyle Walker is fit, Kieran Trippier is the starting right-back, because we know he won't trust Trent to start because, you know, waistcoat reasons. Um, Rico Henry should be an option. He's been pretty good for Brentford this season, but he hasn't been given a look. So uh, I think... Chilwell is a big loss for England because I wouldn't... I know he did fairly well at the Euros, but I just wouldn't trust Luke Shaw in a major tournament, personally. And especially if you're looking at what the rest of England's defence would be. I I think Chilwell's a big loss.
2: I would have had him as the starter, to be honest. Um, I think in terms of the alternatives, Tyrek Mitchell is probably the other one who we didn't mention there, who's at least been in England squad before. Uh, we did our England picks, actually, recently on the independent. I went for Rigo Henry as the backup left-back with that, so I'm glad you mentioned him. I think he's been pretty decent, and especially if we're looking at playing wing-backs for England throughout the tournament, which looks like it's going to be the case now. I think he's a, a decent option, at least for that side, as a slightly more fleet-footed than Luke Shaw, let's say, and a pretty decent delivery, maybe not quite as high level defensively, but certainly tenacious, certainly got the the work rate. And obviously as a a new player, if he gets his chance, you you know, you're going to get that enthusiasm and everything, which makes up for a lack of sometimes positional sense anyway. And it's not like England have exactly the most impeccable central defenders inside of him anyway, is it? Let's be perfectly honest. So uh, I do think Chilwell is a huge, huge miss. Uh, As for the other ones, I'm not really sure who is the bigger miss out of the, the 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 defenders that we mentioned there Robinson and and Nakayama, but obviously getting injured two days after your squad is announced is mm. even more you know of a heartbreaking sort of thing than uh, if you get injured maybe just a week before because you think you've done it you think you're in and then bang all of a sudden he's gone uh, a quick word for Crepo he wasn't going to be the second choice keeper for Canada but just for the farcical circumstances of it uh, MLS yeah. Cup final tackle someone pretty bad red card sent off carted off broken shit all in all not the best day's work
0: no no not at all Um, and you know quite a quite a crazy um, MLS Cup final at the weekend if if people didn't watch it LAFC beating Philadelphia Union on penalties uh, in a situation where Philadelphia looked like they'd won the game I think in the 124th minute and then Gareth Bale scores in the 128th minute to send it to penalties and then Philadelphia missed their first three penalties. Um, absolutely bizarre. Uh, but yeah, huge blow for Krepo. Um, now he's at 28. He should be still at a decent level in four years when his, his nation will be one of the hosts. So he, he should hopefully get another opportunity to play in a World Cup. Nakayama is a really tough one. Um, he's a, he's a decent player. Like you said, he'd been named in the squad, and then he gets hurt and and the thing is it's not just like he's gotten hurt, but he'll be okay in two months. It's a ruptured Achilles. Mm-hmm. he might never be the same player, and if he is, it's a really long road back so i do feel i do feel for him um I don't know much about miles robinson was he was he, he was- likely to be a starter for the u
2: s he would have been but this was like going back a year now he's he's not played very much at all this year so he's one of the one of the 60 odd players that we would have referenced in the uh, the the previous call-ups on the on the USA squad that we did um but yeah it, it's been fairly clear and he had a, a couple of off-pitch incidents during the course of the year while his recovery was going on as well so not been the best of times mm. um moving on then to this very week and last night in fact you mentioned James Justin he's the first one so he's not obviously a he wouldn't have been a go-to I don't think but supposedly he's been named in the the 55 by Southgate <laughs> and I think
0: <laughs> the idea that there's 55
2: players good enough to play for England is funny well I mean some of the 26 are going to be pretty funny as well I have a feeling so don't don't rule out anybody just at this stage I think um, I think with both sides missing a defender Justin might have been in with a shout because of his ability obviously to play both sides of defence uh, and maybe Leicester's improvement let's say um, could have come at a good time for him to, to sort of get the nod as well and I think he's been capped already hasn't he as well so maybe he would have been in but looks like he's out now one who is not yet confirmed, but is out, let's be honest. It's Sadio Mane. That is
1: a bad, bad one.
0: Yeah, so Sadio got injured uh, last night playing for Bayern in a, in a 6-1 win. Um, it's a knee injury. The initial report, I think, was from Le Kip, and it said he was likely to miss several weeks. Now, I... Just briefly touched on this in the Daily Red today, Carol, when I was recording that, uh, having just heard the news. And I do wonder if they might just bring him anyway, just because he's so important to the squad. And if if he's not necessarily ruled out for a month or six weeks, maybe they bring him in the hope that he does get back in time to play in a game. But it, it still appears unlikely that he'll be fit at any point during the World Cup.
2: Yeah, build have unfortunately just released in the last hour or so saying it's actually going to be uh, an Achilles issue or the tendon at the top of the Achilles, which is the problem uh, with at least a partial tear. So if that is the case, it will be more than a couple of weeks, unfortunately.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a while. So that is Sadio out, and you mentioned obviously Ginny being out, and that the Ginny one is is for me the more heartbreaking of the two because he's had such a rough time since leaving Liverpool. Obviously PS he he was going to Barcelona, that's the the club he had chosen to join. Their financial shenanigans, and obviously, you know, they, that was the reason they lost Messi, saw his deal fall through as well. So he just took the best offer available in terms of finances, and that was Paris Saint Germain. It, it should be pointed out, he did not leave Liverpool for Paris Saint Germain. He did not leave Liverpool for money. That's just how it worked out because Barcelona fell through. Um, he'd obviously gone on loan to Roma this year, and you were hoping fresh start. You know, Syria will suit him, and then he breaks his leg. I think in the first training session or the second training session. Mm, Um, So yeah, so he he's out. So that's that's a really tough one for me, is Ginny, because when he got hurt, there was still hope he could get back in time. But he's not going to. Uh, But both him and Sadio missing out is very very tough. This, in all likelihood, would have been their last World Cup, although. I mean with Sadio if he decides he still wants to play in 4 years I can't imagine Senegal won't bring him he won't like he wouldn't be in the squad because he's the greatest player the country's ever produced um but for Ginny it probably means he won't make a world cup the Sadio one is tough because it's it's so close and it was a game that they won 6-1 like it was a game they were going to win with or without him and he's just very very unfortunate
2: he is, yes, and obviously a factor in everything in terms of Senegal hoping they would go through that group. There's definitely a really, really good chance for them to, to at least make the knockout stages and quite close to uh, being their uh, all time most capped player as well, I think, to go with the, the most goals that he already has. So bad timing indeed for Sadio. Um, the ones that we've got now who have been out for a, a longer time and is now obviously last chance saloon to prove your, your fitness sort of thing. Spain, Miguel Arthabal, he's been out with an ACL since March. Um, he has been back in training, but tonight when we're recording this midweek is the last round of La Liga fixtures and he's not in the Real Sociedad squad.
0: Yeah, and he's a, uh, he. as you know, he's a player I like very, very much. And I, I just don't think you can come straight off an ACL into a World Cup. I, I think mm. the intensity of playing Games every three or four days. You know, if he played one or two games for Real Sociedad, you, you could make a good case for it. I, I just don't think there's going to be uh, a real case for him. Unfortunately, for this one, he's still young enough that he'll get to play in another one, maybe another two. But yeah, this is this is not going to be for him, unfortunately.
2: That's the other thing of this World Cup, though, isn't it? Because usually we would have, let's say, each nation might play like two, maybe even three friendlies and give people who have just missed like the end of the season normally the chance to come back and show we've been in training, this is how I look in terms of match sharpness, but we're not even going to have that this time.
0: No. And, you know, there's there's no real training time either because the players, I assume, fly out uh, Monday, Tuesday, and then the World Cup kicks off next weekend. There's not even real training time for Yarzabal to show Louis Enrique that you know, look, I'm good, I'm I'm good, I'm sharp. I've been doing well in training at club level. I'm ready to play, but it is just such a pain in the hole that the World Cup is taking place. And now, from a Liverpool point of view, I'm very glad that it's taking place <laughs> because I needed the season to stop. I needed the pain to stop. But yeah, for for players like him. And there's another one who's on your list. I'm just looking at the article you've linked uh, on the independent, written by some charlatan. Um, There's another player who's obviously coming back from an ACL tear, who's very, very important to his national team, but likely not to be risked because he's so young and has such a big future and also just because he hasn't been playing. Byron Betts. Mm. Yeah, massive talent. I think with Germany
2: in that area of the pitch as well, you're probably looking at erring on the side of caution even more. You don't want a re-injury, obviously. It's very, very quickly back into uh, Euros qualifiers and Nations League and all that other crap that will come after the World Cup is finished. Um, So you want him ready for those. And I suppose if they're looking at playing him in sort of the 10 role, you've got Jamal Musial has been playing really, really well again. Leroy Sane, before his own recent injury, was possibly one of the best second forwards in Europe in terms of form over that that sort of two months or so. So if they get him back in anything like that kind of form, that's really, really big for Germany and and will lessen the the blower beam without Wertz, obviously.
0: Yeah, just, uh, you know, Florian Wurz is is such a wonderful player to watch. He's one that I'd very, very, very much like us to sign. Uh, I don't care if he's not my deal fit to our system. Alter the system to make it fit because he's just that—he's just that good. Um, And you get one. I'm giving you a choice. What would you like to happen?
2: Verts playing off Salah or Skamaka and Darwin together?
0: Oh, I love the idea of Skamaka (laughs) and Darwin. You only get one. I Love the idea. Um, I take Verts off Salah. I would. What I'd actually do is I'd buy Verts and I'd play him as a narrow right-sided midfielder in that half space. No, these are not the options. They (laughs) are the options. I am the manager. (laughs) Listen, listen. We've just been taken over by shady overlords. Jurgen's walked. No one else wants it. They've given me the call. I've walked in and said, right, three things are happening. Jordan, James, patch your stuff. Find your way through the James Milner door. All the money is being spent, and we're going four four two, and that's just how it's going to be. (laughs) Here is the question for you: Is a little bit of an aside? Liverpool get Steve Ballmer as owner, owner of the LA Clippers, but one hundred and twenty billion net worth, uh, not not tarnished by human rights abuse. he is willing to spend whatever it takes. He's going to buy an Mbappe a year. Liverpool are going to win the league every season and win the Champions League every second season for the next six or seven years. But it's Diego Simeone in charge. <laughs> and he's going to play a 4-5-1 with about 2 billion worth of attacking talent on the bench with 34% possession, eight shots, no, four shots on target Four shots in total during the game and winning every game 1-0. Are you taking that?
2: I suppose I'll take it for the success. Why not? A you... Of
0: course you will. Just because winning is shots. all that matters. <laughs> winning is all that matters. Do you know what? As much as I'm, I'm upset for Verts, the German player I'm really upset for is Marco Reus. So, so it looks like he's going to miss it as well. So you've got him in your list.
2: Yeah, I was going to go through the the Dortmund boys, in fact, next. So we'll, we might as well start with Michael Royce. Yeah, uh, mid September he was out from and they thought it was fine, but hasn't gone well. And same team at right back Thomas Murnier as well of Belgium. Very important to them from a, mm. a, a filling the role perspective in a tactical
0: sense. He's got a fractured cheekbone. So I wonder if we might get one of the Phantom of the Opera masks and he might just be okay to play. I'm 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 genuinely devastated for Marco Reus because he's my favorite German player of the last 10 12 years or so. He's obviously been a player cursed by injury. He missed the World Cup win uh because of injury. It's just been such an unfortunate it's just been such an unfortunate run for him. Like he would have been starting in that 2014 World Cup, he gets injured in a warm-up game against Armenia and misses the tournament. Uh, You know, it's just... Then he misses Euro 2016 because of injury. Uh, He played in 2018, but Germany weren't the same. And then he just didn't play in the last Euros because he was, I think, knackered after the season. But, you know, at, what is he now, 33? And this was the 34 last. by the end of the season. This was it, wasn't it? This was his last international tournament. And if he doesn't make it, uh, it that's heartbreaking because he is, he is one of the great players of the last decade who's had his career completely spoiled by injuries. When he's been fit and able to play, he has been sensational. As a winger, as a 10, as a 9, as a 9.5, he has just been incredibly good for Dortmund and even before that with Gladbach his his second and third seasons there he was ridiculous especially that last season absolutely ridiculous but injuries have just spoiled his career yeah been really really tough run for him and even like quite a few big
2: domestic games or club level games let's say and not just not just at international level as well he's missed out on quite a lot of uh Potential success and key moments and all the rest of it. Um, one final one in Germany before we depart the Bundesliga for a bit. Then um, we start off talking about Sadio Mane. One of his teammates it's going to be a big one, and it's going to be quite a close call, Alfonso Davies.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you think of the Canadian national team, it's just two players that stand out. It's him and uh, Jonathan David, and he is the better of the two players. He is. Maybe the greatest player Canada have ever produced. And it still still winds me up that we allowed him to go to Bayern when we had basically a free run at him for a year before that. I will never get over that. I will never ever not be annoyed at the fact that we allowed a player who is if not already, he is going to be the best left back in the world to just, you know, hodl off to Bayern while we sat on our hands. Um hopefully, hopefully I think he'll be in the squad. Eaten. I think he yeah, he will sport. be in the squad. Yeah, he,
2: yeah, he's not going to play the last game for, for by and they basically said he won't be involved, but he should be fine for uh, the, the group games, or at least some of them. But it's a hamstring, and he is a very, very fast player, and he tends to need those hamstrings to make one of those uh, attributes of his work. So that's a quite a big one. Um, and you mentioned Jonathan David. He's obviously fine and should be a very, very important part for them. The other really important player for Canada is Atiba Hutchinson, veteran midfielder, yep. been involved for about 350 years now. Must have
0: veteran. <laughs> he, he stopped being a veteran like 15 years ago.
2: <laughs> there, he's, uh, he's in Besiktas and not playing. He hasn't played this season at all. He had a couple of. Um, fluid-on-the-bone issues, basically, earlier on in pre-season. took quite a long while to get over it, but, again, I think he's going to be pulled up. He's in is the he, squad no matter what. Yeah, but is he going to play? Because, well, again, well, properly, what is he? He must be 38, 39, something like I think that. No? I
0: think he's 39. I think he's 39. Now, I wouldn't put it past him to still be knocking around in four years' time, Maybe. but it seems a little bit unlikely that at 43 um now he could probably go and play in the Canadian Premier League for a couple of years um but yeah it, it, he's going to be in the squad but he he they need him on the pitch and this would be sort of the you know the crowning moment of his long 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 career and he's just had really bad luck what what seemed like i remember when he got hurt in the summer and it it felt like fairly a fairly innocuous thing mm. They said it was a bruise yeah. and then it became this. He's got, you know, fluid on the bone and it, the bruise isn't healing. And he, I know he's training again, but he hasn't kicked a ball since the end of last season. So even if he does make the squad and even if they put him on the pitch, he's going to be rusty. Like There's just no way around it. He's not going to be the same Matiba Hutchinson that we, we've seen. I think the, the good thing about being 39 is you're probably
2: not relying on pace and mobility as your biggest attributes anyway. So maybe they'll uh, not see the worst of him at the very least and can still rely on him to play.
0: Yeah, with a bit of luck, with a bit of luck. I really hope he does make it. and I hope he gets on the pitch to play in at least one of the games because I, I do like Atiba Hutchinson. Um, <laughs> right, where are we going next on your world tour?
2: We are going to Spain and Barcelona and we've got a couple of side tangents to go along here because it's you and you love them, so we're doing it for you. Um, First up, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy goes in the squad anyway, even if he's not really able to play. Just because there's 26, maybe you can get away with one gamble, and he's good enough to gamble on relative to the rest of the squad. Ronald Araujo.
0: Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. Before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah, this kid is good enough to risk. Um, Now, obviously, the question is. What sort of risk are you taking if he re-injures himself? Like, it's a thigh injury. Are you risking a very serious injury if he gets hurt again? That perhaps means that down the line, he's not able to become the player that I think most people think he's going to be, which is, I think most people have him penciled in that in five years, when we talk about, the best centre backs in the world. He is going to be very firmly in that conversation of the elite level, along with the likes of Ibu Kanate. Um, the thing, the thing is, like you mentioned, the 26 man squad really does give some flexibility here. And you could afford to bring, you know, in the case of an Atiba Hutchinson, even if he can't play, you bring him in a James Milner type of role. You can afford to do what Sven did with Theo Walcott back in the day. if you Even if you have no intention of playing him, you bring him for that experience. So you probably do have two or three spots in your squad that you can give to players that you either want to give the experience to or glean the experience from. So I think Rejo will go... He he may go in the understanding that there's not a chance that you're playing, but come along for the experience and, you know, the adventure and being part of the squad. It's it's the last hurrah of that great generation of Uruguayan players. Muslera, Godin, Caceres, Cavani, and Suarez, they're all riding off into the sunset after this one, and probably one or two others as well. So for Rejo, who you're going to be looking at to be the Godin replacement, you know, you're looking at him and Jimenez as the next duo at centre back for Uruguay. Come along. I'm going to stick you in a room with Godin and you learn every single thing you can from him about what it is to be a professional, what it is to be a leader, you know, what it is to be a great defender. I I think he goes even if he can't play. I hope he does. I
2: think he has a, a big impact on that squad anyway, and they, quite a, a large group of them have spoken about looking up to him now and the way he's made you know a real role for himself in Barcelona and is admired there and everything else. So it would be good for them if so. Um, tangent number one, Gerard Piquet. Have at it.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, this is an interesting one because he's obviously just retired from club level. But is he is he worth bringing from an experience point of view for Spain? Oh, I think he, no, I
2: wouldn't be talking about that at all. Uh, I, I sorry, I should have been clearer. Oh, this. you meant just I was asking you, P- what do we make of PK being sent off without playing on his final match of football? Oh. <laughs> Sorry I was not suggesting oh, yeah. Spain sabotage themselves again at a world cup no god
0: oh that's okay, okay. <laughs> that's okay um yeah uh, jesus ah uh, i don't really know i don't really know what to make of the whole situation by by all accounts what he said to the referee was was fairly dreadful um maybe he just wanted to go out on You know, something new that hadn't happened to him. You're you're talking about a fella who's done pretty much everything in the game. Uh, A Premier League and a a Champions League with Manchester United. Uh, Seven, no, excuse me, eight league titles with Barcelona. Uh, Seven Copa del Reyes. Six Spanish Super Cups. Three Champions Leagues. Three European Super Cups. Three World Club Cups. He won a World Cup and a European World Cup and a European championship with Spain, won an under nineteen European championship with Spain. He's he's done it all. Um he had never been sent off for telling a referee and I quote uh I shit on your prostitute mother. Um which is is creative uh unusual for certain, but um, it's, it's pretty usual in Spain. I assure you of that. It doesn't
2: it doesn't flow quite as well in the English tongue, but
0: that's that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, he 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 likely didn't say it to them in in a Navan accent, so that's that's a fair point. Um, his life has been a little bit unusual for the last couple of years. Let's let's put it that way. Um, he's obviously separated from Shakira this year. After eleven years and and a couple of kids together, so he's had that kind of flux. His business interests have obviously taken off in the last couple of years as well. Uh, He's had, you know, the tax fraud thing that all Spain-based players seem to go through. Uh, He's become a semi-pro poker player, so you know his his focus doesn't seem to have been on football. Fully for the last couple of years, and obviously he's you know declined quite rapidly and become more of a liability than anything for Spain. Um, yeah, look, it, it would have been nice to see him going out and having one last game and performing well, but Barcelona are in a title race, and obviously Xavi felt that they're just he wasn't going to play it
2: I mean, Marcus Alonso has been starting centre-back, so it kind of tells its own story, really, doesn't it? So, Yeah, and Marcus
0: Alonso is a dreadful left-back, mm. let alone. Um, I will say this on Barca. I think they've obviously done a lot of mental things and they've spent silly amounts of money considering the, the financial situation they're in. But I do really like how they've rebuilt that defence quite quickly and efficiently. I think Balde looks a real talent. He can play both sides. I think he's better as a left-back. I love Jules Koundé. I love Arejo. They've got Christensen, who I like, Garcia, who I don't like. But I think if they can add one either really good right-back and move Koundé to centre-back when he's fully fit next to Arejo, or another really good centre-back next to Arejo and leave Koundé at right-back, I think Koundé, new centre-back, Arejo, and Balde, it's something they could have in place for a decade and be sensational. Especially when you consider they'll have Pedri and Gavi as two-thirds of a midfield there. I think credit must be given. They, they've rebuilt quite quickly and Gavi has really impressed me. Now, there's still you know moments where he looks a little bit lost, but he's getting the best out of Usman Dembele. Uh, Torres looks good again. Rafinha is is a quality player hasn't had the best time. We know Ansu Fati is a really special talent and uh, they've got young Pablo Torre. If they continue to pick up Pablo Torres and and Pedri's and just continue to build through their academy and not do stupid things, this might we might be witnessing the early days of the next great Barcelona team.
2: Well, along those lines, one who they did bring in, which looked sensible when they bought him, I think, and obviously longer term it still could be, but has had a poor season, quite a few months actually quite poor. Did start last night, again, I didn't think he played well, uh, and went off. And he's a, a regular for Spain in the squad, certainly in and out of the lineup, but I want to know whether you would take him and if you would start him. Is Ferran Torres uh, obviously a knock on effect of those roles being up for grabs is Oyarzabal mm-hmm. that we spoke about earlier. He's not going to be involved, um, but you've got Ansu Fati there. Marco Asensio has had a bit of a, a resurgence with Real Madrid recently and has yeah. been in the squad for Spain as well. So there's quite a few options there and Spain have a quite a fluid and flexible attack anyway under Luis Enrique. So what role for Ferran for you?
0: I would bring him. Now... There's, the, the biggest issue for me with, with having Ferran Torres in my squad is that he, he seems like a bit of a prick and he seems very, very egotistical, uh, which is, is a red flag for me, for for a player as young as him who isn't, you know, one of the elite, elite young players. And even then it's a bit of a red flag. But I really, for me, I really like him as a false nine type. I thought when he played as as a false nine for City last year before he got injured and then obviously went to Barca. I thought he was outrageously good, and I thought he made everything click around him. You know, interplay with Mares on the right and Foden on the left, being able to swap through positions and obviously play both wings. I do think he's a very talented player. He obviously hasn't had a good season, but he's looked a bit better in recent weeks. Things haven't gone great from a Barcelona, it must be said. I mean. 12 goals in 44 games, not the return they hoped for when they paid a significant amount of money and gave him a fairly big contract. But I would bring him. Um, I, I would just be very careful about how much influence I let him have on anything, such as like I wouldn't let him have the remote for television or choose the music, uh, much less have him be one to decide who plays anywhere talented player but certainly needs to be maybe knocked down a peg or two in terms of the ego all
2: right well since you're taking him let's uh, go with someone else who is now going that we could have spoken about but literally in the last few minutes has said he's fit and fine well fit I think is not necessarily entirely accurate but he's going to be able to play anyway Uh, Son Hung Min uh, suffered a facial fracture obviously and had to have surgery about what a week ago now or so in the Champions League but he says he will be okay positive
0: for Korea massive positive for Korea and I'm, I'm I'm so happy for him because we've we've been talking about football for years and I, he is you know he's one of my favorite players I love watching him play football I think he's the best player at Spurs I think he has been for a couple of years um I know people always lean towards Kane but I think Sun offers even more and I think it's not a surprise that in a season where he hasn't been great Spurs haven't been great either I know they're fourth in the league, but they're they're underperforming. Um I think he's I think he's brilliant. And I, I love when there's a player at you know uh I don't want to disrespect South Korea by saying a lesser country or whatever, but you know what I mean? They're not one of the footballing powerhouses. And they they, they produce the odd world class player, and I think in South Korea's um South Korea's case they have one for certain in Sun and one who looks like he's ascending to that level in Kim, the centre-back from Napoli. Uh, You know, I just think it's so important for him as arguably South Korea's greatest ever player to get the opportunity to represent them and lead them into a World Cup. I'm thrilled for him. I'm absolutely thrilled for him. And like you said, it's a huge thing for South Korea because when you've got him, you've got a chance. Like, you're going to have a chance in most games when you've got a player of his quality and you know if they can keep things tight at the back, which it looks like they should be able to, especially if Kim is in is in his best form, then Sun can be a match winner for them. And you know, you look at their group and Uruguay there's some questions there. Ghana there's some questions there. Portugal there's some questions there. I think it it's a very tough group, but I do think South Korea have a chance. It's of, as, it's as, of coming out of that group. It's as big for them that he is there as it is big for Senegal
2: the other way with Mane.
0: Yes, 100%. Yeah, Sadio is the exact opposite of this, where, again, one of the greatest, not the greatest ever players from, uh, I suppose, a, a second-tier footballing nation, um, a very strong team, but not, you know, they're not Brazil or France or whoever. They're an emerging footballing country, uh, and they lose Sadio who is is the one like they've got a similar situation they've got that great center back in Koulibaly who gives them an opportunity to keep things tight at the back and then they've got Sadio at the other end as the match winner. So huge blow for them but huge huge boost for um for South Korea and I'm really hoping it's Uruguay and South Korea that come out of that group. I'm really hoping that's the two that come out of the two most interesting teams. Portugal have some injuries and I, I've been saying this for two years, I think De Lofila holds them back. I think when they rid themselves of the ego, I think you'll see more from Bruno, more from Bernardo, more from Rafael Leao, more from Neto when he's back, more from Jota when he's back, uh, Ramos, Neves. I just think all of these players will have so much more to offer when the whole team isn't just focused on keeping one player happy. And a a nice group stage exit might be the way for him to end his international career. Though, with his ego, he'll probably (laughs) stick around until the Euros. (laughs) Well, we
2: will see. Um, Just a couple more then. I want just to hear what you would, how much you would risk on their fitness, let's say. Um, All comparable in terms of injuries which could be overcome, and they look like it will be sort of hit and miss time wise. Um, Carbon Phillips for England. Uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu for Japan and Raphael Varane for France.
0: I I in all three cases I would risk bringing them. Um I don't know that Varane is necessarily still one of France's two se- best center backs, but I do know that he's the most experienced and he's very important in that team and having lost Pogba and Kanté I, I, I think they have to bring him. And if he's fit enough to play, I think he should play. I think him and Lucas Hernandez as the pair work. Obviously, Lucas Hernandez is, is coming back from injury as well. So, you know, there's there's a risk there too. Um, Tomiyasu's, Tomiyasu is hugely important to Japan. He's probably their best defender, maybe their best player overall. Um. The, I suppose the, the question I have with him is: We saw him miss so much of last season with injury. How big is the risk? You know, if he gets hurt, could that be three, four months on the sideline? I think he's excellent. Like I think he's a much better defender than Ben White. And if I was Arsenal manager, he'd be starting right back, and Ben White would be sat on the bench. Um, and Ben White's having a good season. Don't get me wrong. I just think Tommy Ass is a better player than him. Uh And in terms of Calvin Phillips, I think you have to bring him because I don't think you've got any midfield options. You've got Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham, and that's it. That's literally it. They're the only two I would trust. Henderson is so far past his best and hasn't done good games together since before the pandemic happened. We've talked about Ward Pricer on the, the Southampton pod this week. Uh I just think outside of set pieces, he's a bit of a nothing player. And I'm not sure he'll be taking set pieces for England because they've got other options. I think you have to bring Calvin Phillips. What is it? Dislocated shoulder he's working his way back from? Um, And he says he feels he's ready for training. I mean, the fact that he's only ready for training is is a concern, obviously. But if you're just asking him to sit in the middle of the park and, and do that job of just keeping things ticking over, if they're playing... Now, they'll probably play some sort of back five in some games. But if it's a 4-3-3 and you sit him in the middle with Rice to his left with a bit of freedom and Bellingham to the right with a lot of freedom, I think that's a good balance in midfield. I think defensively he's good. He's obviously a good passer of the ball. Uh, I think he brings some leadership in that role as well, which I think Rice and Bellingham need. I think one of the biggest fallacies in the game right now is Declan Rice's leadership. West Ham looked like a lost ship. And I see West Ham fans on a daily basis uh, bemoaning the fact that Mark Noble retired and there's no leadership in the team. So how is Declan Rice a great leader if you're missing Mark Noble? I just don't see how that's possible. Um Whereas with, with Phillips, I do think he's a natural leader. I think at Leeds we saw that. He was the one that led that team. Liam Cooper might have worn an armband, but. Calvin Phillips is the leader of that team. And again, for Leeds this season, I think we've seen a certain lack of leadership in in the team. Even though they've improved in midfield overall with the duo they brought in, I would definitely bring him. I would. In an ideal world, you wouldn't because he hasn't been playing. But I think you have to bring him if you're England.
2: Well, hopefully that is all the ones we're going to get. But we have got one round of games still to get through in the Premier League. Same in the Bundesliga Mm. and beyond. And as we say, Spain's last round of games is midweek, so they're playing that last night and tonight. So hopefully no more Sadio Mane incidents.
0: Let me ask you about one player who is also a risk. But I just want to point out, I'm, I'm gutted for Jesus Corona, that he's going to miss this World Cup, because again, probably his last one. Now, again, Mexico are one of the hosts for the next World Cup, and he'll be 34 no, he'll be 33, so maybe he'll still be playing at a decent level and still involved in the national team by then, but I am good at it for him. Um, Kyle Walker, we've we've talked about the England fullback situation. No Chilwell, no Reese James now. That's confirmed that he's out. Um, the manager doesn't trust Trent. Walker is sort of the safety blanket for England because he can play right back or right side of the three. He's the one English defender with real burning pace. And that can cover for a lot of the mistakes that you know that John Stones makes or that uh, Harry Maguire is prone to making. Would you risk Kyle Walker coming back off what I believe is groin surgery in this tournament?
2: Uh, I mean, assuming obviously he's in a position where they think he'll be fit enough to play at least one, if not two of the group games, then yes, I would take him. One, because as I said before, England do not have a, you know, a, a, an amazing group of centre-back options. It looks very, very much like it'll be the back three, uh, and I think he is really important on the right-hand side of that. With the speed, with his recovery pace, with his ability to help uh, a switch You know, later in the game, if it turns out that they do need to go to a, a four or anything else as well. Um, I actually think he's Even not fully fit, probably second best defender that will line up for England, to be honest. Uh, And I don't think Carl Walker is that good of a defender. But I think that the choices that have been made for for England's defence over the last couple of years are questionable at best. Um, But yes, I would take it, like I say, as long as he's going to play at least one, if not preferably two of those group games. um, I, I think I would. I would gamble on him again. You've got. The 26, which I think does make a difference. It gives you a little bit more leeway than it would have been the case otherwise, but also I just don't like the other options that are likely to go.
0: No. No, I agree. Uh, I think the England team is fairly close to being picked, uh, you know, Pickford in goal, Walker, Stones, and Maguire as a three. Trippier, right wing back, Shaw, left wing back. Kane and Sterling as a front two, or Two of a front three. Um, I, I assume it will be Rice and Bellingham to start in midfield, but I, I think Phillips, once he's fit, probably will get in there somehow. Um, so who's the eleventh player then, Carl? Is it is it Mason Mount? Foden in kind of a uh, Foden. Phil Foden, Foden, Foden. Sterling and Kane. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 is what what. Well, it's not what makes sense because what makes sense would. <laughs> would be a very different team with, you know, Bakayo Saka also in that same group. Um, but yeah, Fod- I think the, the last spot comes down to Foden, Mount or Saka. Um, and then when Phillips comes back, it just depends on how scared Southgate gets. But we are only a couple of weeks away from the World Cup kicking off. Today is the ninth. The tournament begins on the 20th. England's first match is on the 21st. Uh, they'll be playing Iran and no doubt drawing 0-0. Then they face the United States and then they face Wales in the last game. Last thing to hit, because Harry Welshy will be upset if we don't mention it. Um I think it's fair to say that even if Gareth Bale was in a full-body cast, he would be going to this competition and probably playing. So there's no real reason to doubt that he'll be there. Am I right? Oh no, no, no doubt at all. I mean
2: Bale scored, Bale was available, Bale played some minutes, there's no reason to think he won't be going at all. I think he'd probably be yeah. even more likely than Araujo and the other ones we've mentioned. If he's uh, able to walk, he goes.
0: Yeah. Even if he can't. Even if he can't. Wheel him down the wing. You've got you've got plenty of lads there who don't do a whole lot other than run. They can run with Garrett Bale being pushed. That'll be fine. Uh right, that is that. That is our World Cup injury catch up um we have plenty coming during the world cup so don't be worried if you're thinking there might not be enough content there'll be plenty we'll find ways and means there's going to be uh, a regular pod for myself and carl there's going to be a couple of on the books We're, we're looking to put together a bit of a a special edition of on the books as well so that's that's in trev's capable hands um Carl, have you got anything coming out in the next couple of days that you want people to keep an eye out for or are you firmly in World Cup coverage mode at the moment? Yeah, completely snowed under with it. I've
2: got more things to do than there are days left before it, so just wait until there it starts.
0: And he's uh, trying to move house as well. So uh keep, keep keep him in your thoughts and prayers. And if you have any gifts oh, of no, the foam no, hands, no, foam no. fingers, foam boots, <laughs> type of <laughs> send them to Carl Magic, Care of Anfield Index. And uh, we'll, we'll make sure they get to them anyway. <laughs> right. Thank you as always for listening and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel. So future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community